Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I'm Allie Siegel. I'm Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Melissa, boy. Yes. Who are our new patrons? I want we got so many new patrons. I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> we have Al, Marina, Lana, Isaac, Evelyn Champagne Queen, Lauren, Shoju, Shojua, 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 Stephanie, Jack, Drew, Marco, Nettie, O Townsend, Broham, Christopher, Aubrey, Daniel, and Natalie. Basically, what's occurred is I am now reading Bigfoot erotica in a Sasquatch mask and a bikini for our Patreon. So I'll be doing it at least once a week. I am currently reading Pounded by President Bigfoot. And it's a story. (laughs) She's a president? And there hasn't even been a woman president yet. There's a there's a Bigfoot president before there's a female president. Of course. Wow. And there's wow. there's a journalist who what I think is going to happen is he's going to meet President Bigfoot and one of them's going to get pounded. Uh-oh. Only time will tell. So we'll Does he see. live in the White House or is he still in the forest as president? 
No, he's in the White House because at this point, the Sasquatches held a conference and said, we're not mystical, we exist, and we want to live amongst you. That was his first order of business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did he get elected? How, how did Donald Trump get elected? <laughs> well, exactly. No, this happened This happened before as all the Sasquatches came out and said, we exist, and then they started to live amongst the people in society and started holding jobs and working places, and then this one Sasquatch was really charming, and he eventually became president. No new taxes. Oh, my God. And everyone was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> sure. Free lunch wow. on Friday. <laughs> So tune in if you want to hear that story and who knows which story we will read next. Well, today is a huge episode for us. We will be continuing to talk about our favorite and most controversial product. The Furby. The Furby. (laughs) McDonald's ice cream machines. In Melissa's amazing episode about why the machines are always broken, We learned about the company Taylor, which has a monopoly over fixing broken machines and manufactures easily broken ones, as well as Kitsch, the company that's trying to put repairs back into the hands of the franchises. Well, McDonald's franchises that use Kitsch products sign an NDA, I believe, so that they can't release the Kitsch product and how it works, and things like that. All of their inside secrets. The inside secrets. But recently, one of the franchisees gave over the Kitsch product to Taylor, who tried to reverse engineer it, do a cease and desist to Kitsch. Kitsch, in return, has done a restraining order to Taylor. It's a huge debacle in the ice cream world. It is... Hot news, and we are so lucky because we have Jeremy O'Sullivan and Melissa Nelson, founders and CEO of Kitsch, to break down for us what is going down. So let's get into it. Now, for those of you who might not remember from Melissa's episode, here is a little bit of the background. Basically, McDonald's ice cream machines are always out of order. Whether it's the ice cream, McFlurries, you name it, they're somehow rarer than a limited shoe release at Supreme. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but. Wow. wow I know. Wow, wow, wow. But even more <laughs> frustratingly, these machines can't just be easily fixed by McDonald's employees because the error codes are secret and can only be read by a repairman from the company that makes the machine, who is also the only person authorized to fix them. And as we said, this is from a company called Taylor. We also spoke about the website mcbroken.com, created by a man named Rashik, and it's an interactive real-time website which documents which McDonald's have broken machines. What it does is it tries to place an order for a McFlurry or an ice cream, and then if the order doesn't go through, then it says that franchise currently has a broken machine, and then it tallies the total. So I'm on the website right now. 11.21% are currently broken, 24% in New York, 20% in Dallas, 19% in Phoenix, 15% in Los Angeles. Obviously, these are 
huge amounts of machines that are yeah, a broken. quarter of your machines in New York are broken. Yes. That's insane. Additionally, it only takes four to six hours to clean a machine. And this should be going on at night when the store is closed or if it's a 24-hour McDonald's. I'm not sure if those exist. When people are most likely not going to be ordering McFlurries or during breakfast time. The fact that these are broken so often shows that it's not just because they're being cleaned, which is what McDonald's and the franchises say when you can't get a McFlurry. They say, sorry, the machine's being cleaned right now. It's that they're actually broken and they have to call a a Taylor employee to fix it. A journalist at Wired, his name is Andy Greenberg, discovered that Taylor actually has an incentive to keep the machines broken. Taylor has a monopoly at places like Wendy's, In-N-Out, McDonald's, obviously. The machine is called the C602, and it has a specially designed one that they use for McDonald's. And it's the only machine that McDonald's has ever used. McDonald's has to sign an agreement that they will only use the Taylor machines for their ice creams. And it's $18,000. Crazy. That's (laughs) a a machine that breaks all the time. Exactly. And to that effect, it breaks constantly. The only person who can repair it is a Taylor employee It costs $145 for the first 30 minutes of repair. And then each 15 minutes after that is $315. Crazy. And according to Taylor's information, they had a revenue of $315 million in 2019. And 25% of their income comes from repairs and service parts. Essentially meaning it's built into their business model. They want these machines to break down. It's all part of the process. Now, it is incredibly important, and we'll get into this, to keep milkshake and McFlurry machines clean. Have you ever had spoiled milk or spoiled yogurt or smelled it? That shit's disgusting. Or less disgusting. Even if you spill a little bit of latte in your car and then it's in the sun... The smell of that milk. Oh, like the center console when like it spills out of the cup. Oh, It's revolting. And essentially, these Taylor machines are overheating or not being cleaned correctly. And they're spoiling the milk and serving McFlurries that are ripe. (laughs) So this is an article from Vice. And I quote, Soft-serve ice cream machines are a breeding ground for disease if they aren't properly maintained. A 2005 NBC News investigation revealed just how dirty those machines can be. Improved machines released after the investigation made the ice cream machines safer, but only if they're maintained, which can be expensive and time-consuming. This is talking about McDonald's specifically and the Taylor machines. Some store managers and repair techs have learned a trick that bypasses the machine's safety mechanisms. This is called jumping. This has led to dirty machines that can make people sick. Gross. Maintenance, disgusting. Maintenance employees can install a quote-unquote jumper, a small metal or plastic bracket, on some of the electric pins on the back of the machine to bypass a software system that makes the machine inoperable if it hasn't been cleaned in a certain amount of time. Doing this could make ice cream dispensed from these machines dangerous, 
because it bypasses critical cleaning and sanitation features. So basically, the uh, the machine says needs to be sanitized, clean machine, and they just bypass that because it takes four to six hours or needs to be fixed, and they just continue serving uncleaned products. <laughs> That's disgusting. You could do that like every day for like a week, and you just have like this old, gross, warm Ew. milk. Ugh. I'm honestly not ordering milkshakes oh, uh, or never. ice cream or anything again. Never. It's disgusting. I'm only eating it from artisanal ice cream shops (laughs) i mean they're probably much safer yeah or out of the pint it's this is disgusting so this is where kitsch came in trying to create a product that will make these tailor machines safer easier to use bypass getting these technicians control the data so that We can ensure the safety of the product and the people who are consuming it. However, Taylor would have none of this, and this legal battle has ensued. So let's chat with Jeremy O'Sullivan and Melissa Nelson, founders and CEO of Kitsch, to see what's going on in the war between Taylor and Kitsch, which also I think sounds like two football players' names from the show Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Or it's one person's, it's Taylor Kitsch, who played a football player. On Coach Taylor. Oh, is that really the name of the actor? Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch. Oh, no wonder I thought that. I've never seen Friday Night Lights, but... It's Taylor Kitsch, I mean, and then there's also Coach Taylor. Yeah. Well, now it all makes sense why my brain went there. Well, that none of that has anything to do with our episode. <laughs> Today, we are all talking about this McDonald's controversy. And we're going to take a quick break before we get to the interview. So we'll be right back. Webcrawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, Bigfoot erotica, bonus episodes, shout outs, <laughs> merchandise discounts. Please go to patreon.com slash webcrawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our patrons. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us a five-star review, we will read it on the show. And also, we will follow you from our Webcrawlers Twitter account. So please DM us your information. Also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Please continue to call us. At some point, we will catch up, and we love to play your voicemails. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have 
and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, back to the show. First of all, will you, we've already done an introduction, but will you guys introduce yourselves so our listeners uh, know who you are and what you do and what your company does? I'm Jeremy. Uh, I'll let Melissa introduce herself, but uh, <laughs> go ahead, go but ahead. yeah, we, I mean, we build we build Kitch, um, which is an IoT product uh, that attaches to most notably the McDonald's ice cream machine, and it works like a smart thermostat does with an air conditioner. So it lets you know if it's on or off, and, and it lets you have all these cool features. But it basically improves the operational uh, effectiveness of the products. And I'm Melissa, co-founder of Kitch. We actually started um, automating frozen yogurt machines. I think you might be able to see some. I was going to ask about that for sure. <laughs> um, and it just led us down this path. And now here we are uh, trying to improve the shake machine. So how... I'm curious how this started. Did you guys knock at a McFlurry one day and you were furious and you're like, I have to fix this. There's, <laughs> there's a need and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I get it done. No, we were actually in DC and probably in LA, you guys saw the frozen yogurt trend. You know, you'd go into a Froyo store and they'd have eight machines and you'd pull the handle, serve yourself, walk up to the front um, and someone would be there to help check you out. And we thought, hey, why do you need 1,500 square feet to do this, right? Can't you just shrink the store around this one machine? And so that is what we set out to do. Um, and when we put them out in Silicon Valley, we realized, oh, my God, there's so many problems with this machine that we couldn't viably continue the business. So we had to make some tech to improve the equipment such that we could succeed with our own business. And then we realized, oh my gosh, on the internet, there's this meme. There's so many problems that McDonald's franchisees are experiencing. Why don't we use what we developed and sell it to them? Amazing. And to, to fill in a little bit, when we walked in, into the Froyo store in DC and realized that everything basically revolves around this, this one machine that kind of does everything, right? Like, the, like you don't need 1,500 square feet this little tiny machine, you don't need uh, all the real estate, all of the people to swipe the card and hand you the cup. Like once we realized that everything focused around this machine, we started looking at these machines and it became clear that there was pretty much only one machine uh, that everyone used. So if you walk into, you know, it doesn't matter, a McDonald's, a Pinkberry, a Red Mango, an In-N-Out, a Wendy's, like a Chick-fil-A, like everyone's using this machine called yeah. Taylor. And so it's like, you know, we were like, well, these guys must know what they're doing. They're clearly not, you know, idiots, right? They, they, it must be a robust machine. And so, you know, we reached out to Taylor and we built a relationship like very early on because it was a pretty obvious uh, synergistic relationship for every, you know, for every like big green box back there that we built, uh, they would sell another Taylor machine. So it was kind of a win-win relationship uh, that was very obvious, 
you know, and so fast forward a little bit, we, we go to, you know, we come to San Francisco, we, we put out our gen two machine. It does really well. But the problem is that the, uh, the internal Taylor machine is still disconnected from our own system. And so then we go to China with this, uh, hacks accelerator program where we, uh, work on the technology to connect the two. Uh, and this is the technology that would become Kitsch. We were essentially required to make this technology because of this NSF certification, which we're, which requires vending machines that serve a potentially hazardous product like dairy to be monitored. So that let's just say that there was a power failure and the machines heat up to a hundred degrees, you know, which they can do in a hot kitchen. We wouldn't be dispensing a, you know, a toxic yeah. product. So we, so we built a device that, that was able to grab all the data from the machine. And, you know, like Melissa said, we, we started expanding across the Bay Area. We, we launched two machines at Tesla, uh, six machines at Levi Stadium where the 49ers play. You know, that's when, uh, you know, we had ambitions to have 40,000 machines out there. But the data from the eight machines was... It foreshadowed something very interesting. It was it was nothing like we anticipated. Um, I mean, it was basically saying like it was just so puzzling. We you know it's it's still hard to talk about today. But um, but yeah, I mean, so we were in this situation where we're the only two people in the world that are running these tailor machines remotely. Wow! Right. So everyone else has them just right behind them. They're pulling the handle. They're listening to the sounds, but you know. Uh, the machines we had at Tesla were an hour drive away. And so all we have is our data to kind of listen to the operational performance of the machine. And the data we collected, uh, we weren't able to reconcile it because these machines were supposed to be robust. They were supposed to be the best, but yet the data wasn't saying that. And so that's when this, you know, this ice cream machine data, which no one thought could be of any interest suddenly became really fucking interesting. Yeah. So what, I mean, you mentioned, you know, these machines can get toxic and dangerous if not run correctly. What was this data telling you? Yeah. So first of all, that these machines were not as robust as they were sold to be. If you buy like an industrial product, it's supposed to work at a very high level with a very very low failure rate. Uh, the machines that we were seeing, if they were cars, you know, the state of California would have called yeah. them lemons, right? If you buy up the two biggest purchases of my life uh, up until a few years ago uh, were a $20,000 Honda Accord and a $20,000 ice cream machine. <laughs> Shout out Honda Accord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so one still works uh, like a decade le- later. The Honda Best cars ever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, the Taylor machines, not so much. I mean, these Taylor machines can. So let me just say this, and I think this says everything. Uh, the 49ers only have 11 home games, right? Mm. So we only ran these machines 11 times the season after, uh, within the first season or two. So within 20 days of operation, we needed a Taylor technician to come out. Oh, my God. <laughs> But there's something which we discussed in our previous episode. They're almost, forgive the word, tailored to malfunction, correct? Well, that's that's where it gets really interesting, right? So, you know, that's where that's where this thing gets really, really interesting, right? Because, you know, this this thing was this this thing was 
was a thing before Melissa and I got started working. Right. Like it was born on the internet. Everyone kept on saying, uh, so many people kept on saying like, hey, these machines are not working. I'm going to McDonald's. Um, These machines are down. Posture of McDonald's and Taylor is, no, that's not correct. They work. And it's like, you know, and and so like a couple of years later, more and more people are, are, are continuing to say that it's, it's the posturing of McDonald's and Taylor that, that was, you know, nothing to see here, you know, keep mm-hmm. moving. I mean, that's what really solidified this as a meat. Yeah. Right. Because people know, like people don't like being called stupid, right? No. Like people know when a machine is broken. And so I think that's when you call thousands of people or hundreds or hundreds of thousands or millions of people effectively stupid over a period of a decade, you know, that's when people really kind of drill down on this and they're like, no, I know what I'm talking about. There's something to see here. It's weird that a company as big as McDonald's uh, that builds equipment all the time can't get this machine operational. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't want to take credit for all the work here. I think, I think, I think there was a wisdom of the crowds like a long time ago that discovered this way before we did. Yeah, grassroots movement. Because there's even that that website mcbroken.com uh that I think we talked about where it tracks all the machines that are broken in McDonald's around the United States and it's like 10% I believe it said are broken. So to clarify, what does the Kitch product do to kind of bypass the product or make it easier and safer uh these machines? So it's really just collecting the data um, mm. and then letting the customer know, hey, here's what we believe is wrong. So say you get an error code product over temp. Yeah. What does that mean? What side of the machine has the issue? Uh, what happened before that time period where it locked out? So essentially what Kitsch does is it just clarifies the error codes and then it looks at the history of the machine um, to assess what, what might go wrong in the future. That's so simple. And you'd think that that's what the machine itself would do. It's such a simple solution. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why, that's why everything got so weird when, you know, we launched these machines at Tesla, uh, at Levi Stadium, you know, we're sitting on this network of machines that just don't work. And Taylor basically says like, well, you're not buying enough machines from us. Uh, to make this worth our while. So like, we're done with you. And it's like, we're not buying machines from you because they suck. Right. We kind of, what, stop talking for, I don't know. It just, you know, we're, we end our relationship and, you know, we released this product that we built to uh, keep these machines operational. And the relationship just becomes so weird so quickly. Like it goes from amicable, like emails and cell phone calls. I mean, all of the top guys have our cell phone numbers. Yeah. But when we released this product, um, I mean, Taylor was Taylor was the first customer, right? Like we released this product. Right. Taylor showed up and paid 500 bucks for it. Uh, and so we reached out and said, oh, hey, guys, like we clearly know these people. What's going on? And just no response. Then their attorney bought one. Oh, right. You looked up the name to see like, oh, who, <sighs> is this, who are these people buying these? You're like, wait a minute. These are Taylor people. They had actually sent us a cease and desist right. prior from that law firm. So uh, we knew the name from that. And then, you know, we rejected that sale. Um, and then we started seeing people come on with 
phony names. They would go on Facebook. <laughs> See more butts. See more butts. <laughs> <laughs> when am I going to get it? And they just wanted it so desperately that it was so unusual. I mean, because kitsch doesn't sell itself, yeah. right? People don't knock down your door trying to get a kitsch device. You need to sell them. You need to show them what it can do. Uh, so it was just super crazy. And, and that's how Melissa detected the private investigators. I mean, we had, first of all, you can get the, you can get a copy of the franchise disclosure document of Burger King and McDonald's. So you know exactly who your customer list are. Uh-huh. So it was a really easy like uh, detection to make. I say that, I mean, Melissa made it of course, but uh, you know, which was, which was awesome. But like, you know, just, they were so sloppy and, and, and so aggressive at the same time. Like, yeah. like Melissa said, uh, you know, the biggest indicator is just this, sheer desperation of i need a kitsch now and it's like okay. no one needs no one needs like a thermostat now right? <laughs> <laughs> but that That's was amazing. the that was the start you know like that was the beginning of kitsch and we knew a couple of things like one this is a hard product to sell you know we basically had to uh give them away for free to a lot of people in san francisco uh mm-hmm. just because it's like what do why do I need a thermostat for an ice cream machine? Right. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, but Taylor, Taylor was so obsessed about getting one. And so we just couldn't reconcile the, the differential there. It was difficult to, uh, because if, if, you know, any data driven product, unless you have a ton of data, don't really know what you're looking for in the very beginning. Um, you know, so in the first, getting the first hundred out the door was, was, was not an easy thing, but it became easier and easier, especially as we went to, the McDonald's conference, that's when... Things seemed to quiet down on the Taylor front, Uh, but little did we know that one of our franchisee customers who reached out to us after some press we had um, and said that he was the head of the McDonald's equipment team and wanted to try the product, Um, we did not know at the time that he was actually working with Taylor. We thought that he just earnestly was interested and this was a huge opportunity sneaky sneaky (laughs) and you know we were we were elated we were really excited right because this guy this guy tyler gamble who's this like nice guy has this nice like charming southern accent you know from he's like from what tennessee or kentucky you know he he could have been the guy that helped us uh uh, sell thirteen thousand of these to mcdonald's and that's what we were really hoping for and so we were really doing everything. I mean, we gave the devices away free of charge for six months. He they even were... uh, recommended it. He got up on stage at one of their events and said that oh, that's right. he really liked it. It was a good product. Um, and so it seemed yeah. great, right? I mean, who wouldn't think that we would be in 13,000 McDonald's, but a few days later. <laughs> yeah. That, that's when, that's when everything became, uh, that's when everything changed. Tyler Gamble's recommendation of Kitsch was shared by Business Insider. This kind of coincided with McBroken. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the first time, you know, I mentioned the this being born on the internet. You know, McDonald's and Taylor have literally denied this, denied any existence of a problem at all. They've always blamed it on their heat cycle, right? So these machines should be down for four hours a day, but they shouldn't be down uh, 15 or 20% of the time. That's very different. Right. So, uh, and what's crazy is that McDonald's because of their uh, point of sale system, they actually had the data, uh, that 
McBroken later exposed. So they would have known that these machines are as bad as everyone suspected, but they kept on denying it. But when McBroken came out, it was, you know, the cat was out of the bag. Like all, all, you know, the franchisees were verifying that the data was correct. And then it was like, hey, McDonald's, Taylor, like this wasn't supposed to be a conspiracy. Like what's going on here? <laughs> so, you know, we suspect that they, that they thought, okay, oh my God, our secret's out. Everyone's just going to order a kitchen now. Like there's nothing we can do. And so we have to, we have to trash their reputation. We have to do everything we can. And so, you know, that's when they sent a message to all of their uh, franchisees uh, saying our product was dangerous. Oh, uh, right. So <laughs> that's right. Bodily harm or something like that. That it would void your warrant. I mean, they were, you know, they were saying all this, all this crazy stuff. And what's really interesting is they mentioned that Kitsch grabs confidential data. And it's like, oh, confidential data. Well, what is confidential data? You know, like if you guys have an iPhone or if you have an Android phone, you can go into your really long end user license agreement and figure out what does that mean and who owns what. But with a Taylor machine, you know, you buy these machines like you buy a toaster. There's no agreement that specifies who owns the data. And so they were, they were, they were saying these guys are grabbing uh, the information that, you know, we really need to keep secret because it's how we make our money. Right. Why are they so afraid of you? Because we know their secrets. Ooh. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, one, one of the secrets that is no longer a secret is that the machines have a huge propensity to become unsafe. I mean, you yeah. know, if you, you look at that Vice article, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's so weird looking at their statements. Uh, you know, you can, you can see what it is for yourself. But it's something like, this thing exists and it shouldn't be, you know, used. And it's like, no, 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 let's back up. You guys engineered this into your system. Okay, things just, like, if you have a machine, things aren't randomly there, right? Like, the secret menu. You don't, you know, like your toaster at home doesn't happen to have a secret that it's not telling you. <laughs> or <right>? does it? <laughs> that's what's so interesting. And I think that's what is so sinister about this story is that this, this ice cream machine isn't first and foremost an ice cream machine. It's something else. It's secondarily, it's absolutely secondarily an ice cream machine. Clearly, the first and foremost it's not an ice cream machine. It is first and foremost a moneymaker for Taylor, mm. clearly. And the reason we know that is because if you look at the existence of this W2, these W2 pins where you can put a jumper on, which overrides the whole machine uh, to be unsafe, uh, the whole time, you know, there's this memo uh, that dates back to 2013 saying, hey, we know our machines can be dangerous if they're left on uh, this jumper. They've had so many software updates on their machines since then, but they never fixed this particular issue. They never fixed the biggest vulnerabil uh, vulnerability in their system. You know, and by the way, it's a big deal. Like if you, uh, if you get sick from an ice cream machine, you know, it can be millions and millions of dollars in legal liability. And so it's not just an inconsequential thing that they didn't, you know, acknowledge. So the question is why, right? Like why... Why over the last eight or nine years, why are you changing your software all the time, but you're not fixing the one thing that you clearly should fix, 
you're not fixing the one thing that could potentially make people sick. And by the way, you know, in 2000, in the early 2000s, it, it made like over a hundred people sick in Tampa. Oh. Like the, this emergency room doctor thought, oh, there's some Whoa. quote. Uh, uh, yeah, there's like Biohazard. this. Yeah, no, this, oh. this, uh, this emergency room doctor literally said, because um, so many people were coming to the emergency room uh, from this ice cream machine. He was like, I thought this was an act of bioterrorism. Okay? Oh, my God. So these machines, if they're not, uh, because dairy can, dairy can become very toxic very quickly. Totally. If this machine is not kept in its rigorous course of temperatures going from you know, freezing to boiling and, and that sort of thing. Uh, the dairy can become very toxic. So it's something they should have fixed. Uh, there was economic incentive to fix it, but why haven't they fixed it? And that's because it's how they make money, right? So what happens is these machines are essentially programmed to uh, bug out so that they don't work, right? So someone at the store picks up the phone and says, hey, Taylor, our machine isn't working. Um, and then Taylor goes, okay, we'll send out someone. And they send out someone, uh, the technician, to reset the machine. What he does is he puts that jumper on the W2 pins. So that's the second act of this. It resets the machine. The machine works. The technician leaves with their six or $700. And that repeats itself every few weeks, every few months, et cetera. Yeah. Well, something like 30% of their revenue is just repairs or something crazy. Something. Yeah. I think it was that. 25%. It's just built into their yeah. business structure. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be low for a lot of reasons, right? Like you can, we're, we're both trained accountants. You can, you can play with the numbers to make that mm. sound a little bit lower. Um, so this, that's all like one thing, right? But then like, you know, they're clearly getting hit with this loss. To, uh, it's now known that you know their machines are potentially dangerous. But what are these guys doing? Like in response, they're like, "Let's just throw ourselves a big birthday party, right?" And, like that's what they're, they're having their ninety fifth birthday bash. And it's like, how about how about an apology to all the people that you probably made sick over the years that that had no idea because you know it, it's very difficult to actually prove uh, food poisoning. Yeah. Because, like, let's say you get sick and or your kid gets sick or whatever. And it's like, well, is that the only, you know, uh, you say, Hey, McDonald's, I got sick from your ice cream cone. And they're like, well, is that the only thing you had that day? And it's like, of course not. And they're like, well, then you can't prove it. Right. So it becomes this whole very difficult thing to prove, but they're not apologizing. Um, they're not even pledging to fix it because they need that second act, right. To, they, they need the ability for their technicians to be able to, reset their own software bugs so these machines will work so that they can get paid. Um, and that's why they're not fixing it. So that's how we know that these machines are primarily built to make Taylor money. And secondarily, if and when it's available and if and when it doesn't actually impact their own pocketbook, they can serve ice cream. Jeez. So effectively, what does your restraining order say? This is like a temporary protection against Taylor's uh, ability to use what they learned from our product. Yeah. And just their shady initiative to uh, stalk the hell of us and, and find out everything we're doing. You know, we, we have Nest Cams, clearly. We put Nest Cams inside our, our robots to, to correlate with oh. our machine. Uh, 
Uh, but you know, we have people creeping around our building. Um, you know, we have, we have franchisees, uh, trying to like literally begging us to come inside our warehouse and, and talk to us. And it's, it's so sketchy. It's just so weird, you know, and that's why we're doing this, but it's not getting any less weird. And that's, that's the weird part, right? It's, <laughs> it's like when you, when you catch these people, you would expect them to like slow down. You yeah. expect them to like get it. They're not. They're, They're doubling double- down. Yeah. Oh, jinx. <laughs> i don't know i think it's i think it's the 50 i mean taylor has had this awesome thing going they've been the only show in town so imagine you know you run this ice cream machine company you're the biggest ice cream machine maker at least in the u.s uh if not the world most of the machines you sell you don't actually none of your end customers actually have a choice about your equipment like you're they're compelled to buy them by their franchise agreement so if you're a mcdonald's franchisee uh, or Burger King franchisee, you can't choose another supplier. Like Taylor has a cushy, you know, cushy relationship with the people uh, at the franchise office to make all these restaurant owners buy their equipment, whether they want the equipment or not. They've had 50 years of that, right? Like there was only one place in the U.S., uh, Dairy Queen, where I think Taylor wasn't at. And like a couple of years ago, Taylor just got that. Oh, damn it. I know. <laughs> they got him. <laughs> they got him. I know. So, so, you know, Taylor's had this like 50 years of insulation where they're essentially a monopoly. They can be super shady and do all these terrible things and no one's watching them. And their customers can't go anywhere. They can't be like, hey, Taylor, stop being so shady and terrible. Like they're bound to do it by their franchise agreement. Uh, this is the closest thing I've seen to corporate corruption and monopoly. And- it's crazy. Well, you guys are doing God's work. You guys are like the Aaron Brockovich of the ice cream world. <laughs> if people want to support you or follow you or help the cause, uh, where can they do so? We had we just started a crowdfunding campaign uh, because we actually had people like so many people reaching out to us saying, hey, like I don't have an ice cream machine, uh, so I can't buy your product, but how do I help? How do I right. support you? And we actually didn't know how to reply for the longest time. We were like, that's a, we have no idea actually. Um, but then we we're like, whoa, we could totally crowdfund this a little bit. Um, so we just got our first link up. Uh, I believe it's at buymeacoffee.com slash kitsch. Yep. Or you could go to right. our website and it's right, right there front and center. Perfect. And what is the URL for your website? Uh, com. Cool. I just sounded so dumb. The All URL. right. And the URL, what's the web address in cyberspace for your website? And if people want to follow you online, if you want to be followed or your product, do you guys have a Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, we're at Get Kitch. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for clearing this debacle up and for helping eventually get ice cream to the people and we will keep updated on this because people really love this crazy story about mcdonald's and these machines so thank you for your time we really appreciate it thanks for having me of course (laughs) have a great day so again, uh, if you support Kitsch, please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Kitsch. It's their crowdfunding campaign, as they said, to keep their fight alive and donate to help them in this struggle 
to get ice cream to the people. Also, if you have worked in a McDonald's and have dealt with any of these issues, if you have gotten food poisoning from a McFlurry because of unsanitary standards being used by Taylor Machines, which we've disclosed about today, please let us know. Or if you secretly work for Taylor and you want to call in nameless, you can even change your voice if you want. (laughs) Call in and sound like Bane and let us know what's going on. We would love to hear from you. Melissa, where can people reach us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. And don't forget to join our Patreon, baby. All right. I am Allie Oreo McFlurry Siegel, unless it's spoiled rotten, in which case I will pass. Oh, I am Melissa Taylor Kitch Stetton. <laughs> and I'm producer Maria Eminem McFlurry all the way, baby, all day, every day. I had, I got my third Moderna shot, side note. I got a booster because they're giving it to immunocompromised people at CVS in Los Angeles now. And afterwards, I mowed down an entire bag of plain M&Ms. And let me tell you, I used to be a peanut M&M girl. Same. The plain is where it's at. Wow. Oh. Times, they are a changing. So if you'd like to discuss that, they are a changing. If you'd like to discuss that, I know we had a call in about small M&Ms being best. Many M&Ms. But let's also discuss peanut, plain, what do you like? All right. Bye, guys. An Erio's original. Powered by ACAST. Hold up. What was that? 
boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.